Welcome to a most merry metal edition of Cigar City Radio. I'm your host, Randy Ojeda, and making the magic happen is Jason Solanez. I can't remember the last time I had such a good... Ugh. <laughs> I'm so glad we we bleep these things, because if people knew what you were saying... Yeah, I could probably get arrested for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. This episode was recorded at Dysfunctional Grace in Ybor City. Dysfunctional Grace is a store filled with oddities, the most prominent of which are mounted animal heads. From jarred snakes to books on the occult, you'll find the only place in Tampa where death and dysfunction dance in a graceful ballet. Dysfunctional Grace is located just a couple doors down from the Orpheum on 7th Avenue in Ybor City. Stop in when you're in the mood to get the weird juices flowing. Our guest on this episode is Ben Falgu from the extreme metal band Goat Whore, best known for albums like A Haunting Curse and their 2014 release Constricting Rage of the Merciless. Their seventh record is in the works, and in spring of 2017, they will be on the Metal Blade Records 35th anniversary tour with Whitechapel, Cattle Decapitation, and A Legion. Don't miss it. You can find tour dates, links, and merchandise at goathor.net. We also have a very special shout out to a 10-year-old goat whore fan named Amaya. She actually walked into Dysfunctional Grace with her dad while we were doing the interview, and she was wearing a jean jacket filled with metal patches. We called her over to ask her about music, and she got us right in the feels. Here's a little bit of that conversation. Well, I like how heavy it is, and I just like listening to it because it helps me get rid of all my problems that yeah. I have at home. That's awesome. That's really cool. And I also saw them when I was five. Yeah? And now you're going to see him again tonight? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Did you know that he's in Goat Whore? After our interview, we went to the Goat Whore show, and we actually saw Amaya rocking out in the front row. In a way, she became the star of the show. Ben from Goat Whore gave her a shout-out on stage, and she ended up with the set list. It was one of those reminders of why I fell in love with music in the first place. Kudos to her father for being cool enough to take his daughter to a metal show. I'm sure that's a night she'll never forget, and she's somebody we definitely won't forget either. So this episode is for Amaya, the most metal 10-year-old we've ever met, and here it is, episode 11. Yeah. So you guys are a, are an extreme metal band from New Orleans. Yes. Not New Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah. yeah. And what's the scene like over there? Well, I mean, it's fairly unique. We got a lot of there's a lot of history there. You know, a lot of that you know? like doom stoner metal yeah. stuff was out. A lot there. of different things. But what I think was really unique is that in that city, even though there's so many bands that like are friends or share members mm-hmm. all of them really have their own unique kind of thing to them yeah for you know, sure it's like like crowbar might like you know crowbar at one point sammy was playing in crowbar jimmy bow was playing in crowbar but at the same time jimmy bow was like an eye of god but they were really different in in so many different ways too, yeah you know 
Yeah, but see, like a band like Crowbar, they kind of sound like they're from the swamps, you know, like they have that kind of sludgy sound. But, you know, Goat Horror, it's more like you guys sound like you're like from the depths of hell. A chamber beneath the swamps. Oh, yeah, right (laughs) below the swamps where the good crawfish is. (laughs) That's yeah, that's wild. How did you guys get that sound? Just like anywhere you're from, you know, it's I think the area influences you in a subconscious way. Yeah. I think sometimes it's not something that you notice. It's just something growing up in it and being around things. And it's just like a subconscious influence that kind of clings on and then it's incorporated into what you're into. And then the then your basic influences of things you grew up on, what you were listening to. And also as an individual for all of us, you know, even outside of New Orleans, even, you know, like when the death metal scene here was really fucking at its height sure. and everything. You know, like the New Orleans scene, the Florida death metal scene, the, the Swedish death metal scene, yeah, you know. Yeah. So what you have is you have bands that are there and, and people are influenced by things. Like somebody from the Florida death metal scene might listen to Judas Priest, per se. Yeah. And it influenced them differently than somebody from the New Orleans area or somebody from the Swedish area, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, as you get older... And you, you know, you're still listening to these things. You go back to them, you listen to them, and you find elements that you never really perceived back in the day. Like when you were younger, you listened to it, and if it made you feel rowdy, you were like, fucking right. This is, you know, this is like beer, whiskey, and chaos, and we're going to just headbang and hang out in, you know, heavy metal parking lot every time we get a chance. And then you get a little older, Mm -hmm. and you start to like, you go back to it and you hear it and you're like, wow, I never really noticed that element within it. You know, I didn't really see different things. And so, and I think those things influence you as well because then you're a little older, hopefully a little bit more knowledgeable. And then you see different things within the music and you pull it out and utilize it as an influence in a certain sort of way. That's awesome. And yeah. now you, you've, you've described yourself, I mean, you've mentioned death metal bands a couple of times, but would you say that Goat Horror is a death metal band? Well, I mean, death metal is definitely in there, like mm-hmm. death metal, thrash metal, black metal, you know, even like crust punk, grindcore type shit. It's all kind of blended in and mixed within it. It's just been something yeah. that we've all listened to, been part of our lives and stuff like that. Because so. I, I know metal fans specifically are very big on specific subgenres and getting really into the nitty gritty. I know. Like, it's kind of weird, know? you know, because it's to me, to me, heavy metal seems like such a uh, like lawless thing yeah and then to start breaking things into categories is kind of it's kind of weird you know what i'm saying it's like it's funny it's almost contradictory they got bands like you know really like quote-unquote cult bands like the kvlt kind of scene and there'll be like you can't do this this and this and it's just like but i just thought you said everything has no rules or no anything like that but you're making rules and guidelines with here and yeah i mean i understand i agree there's some quote-unquote, I guess, metal bands that I really don't like because I just don't like what they're doing. But that's a personal thing. So, yeah. I mean, we all have our personal preferences and things that we're into. And, you know, we don't have to like everything across the board. Yeah, That's what makes us all individuals. So I feel like you guys in general take yourselves a little less seriously than, you know, like the immortals and, like, dark thrones of the world, you know? Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> I really think that – I think people think that – a lot of those dudes are highly serious, but I, th- I don't think they really know that some of them are really some some characters. Yeah, well, I'm you know? sure. I mean, to put on they're face really, paint. Yeah, and yeah. Like, I mean, they're know? just some of them are really truly characters outside of that whole thing. And I think that that like that whole Norwegian black metal scene blew up. I mean, there were it was definitely a young like serious thing, and this 
It was like, a, I mean, it's kind of like a punk scene, actually. Yeah. The black metal thing in Norway that happened because it was like this rebellious cycle and it just unfolded and then it just like, it was like snowball effect. Yeah, it was like a total counter. Yeah, yeah. Thing. And so, and, and that was a thing. But now some of those dudes that they're older, I think they look back at it and they're like, what the hell were we doing? But yeah. that's how I everybody looks at their I think the uniqueness is yeah. when things like that do happen, like, I talk about this with different people and little, you know, younger people, older people, like younger people will ask, you know, oh, you were there when this happened and you went to the shows. I wish I could be a part of that. The thing about like a scene and the creating a moment within like, like underground or metal history is you're going to be part of it at one point. The young kid that's asking me that now will be a part of something that goes on that later on a kid will be telling him, oh, I wish I was a part of that. Yeah. So, all of it's like like when the thrash metal scene was big or when the punk scene was really big or when the death metal scene was big. If you weren't there, then you kind of missed it, but it's no big deal because you will have another different kind of uprising of some kind of style within metal that you will be a part of. Yeah. You know, all of those things are, are things that, that are like the growth and the influences for the future of what's going on in it. Yeah, that makes sense. And it feels like metal in general is the type of music where they're constantly evolving and pushing yeah yeah i mean it's i mean that's what the whole underground to me was always was it's where basically the evolution and the analytical ideas of moving forward and doing something more and more extreme and then like if you look at like the huge bands in metal like Mm -hmm. whatever like pantera's metallica Mm -hmm. lamb of god slipknot you can see the how the extremity of those bands got more and more as time went along too you know like slipknot doing a blast you know nobody on a huge level was doing blast beats you know even though way way before that ever happened you had you know napalm death siege things like that that were doing fast blast beats you know yeah and you had bands like cryptic slaughter which was fairly fast for what they were doing and dark angel and things like that and people and then it just you slowly 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 and what Let's see. I guess that's what, like 30 years? And then Slipknot <laughs> does a blast beat in a song and it's like playing on the radio. Or right, something, right. You know? But they found a way to sort of do it in yeah, a way they, that. Yeah, they found a way to incorporate. Know. And they had actually had a drummer that was really good at it, too. Yeah, yeah. That actually was, if you go back in his past, played with a lot of really crazy and obscure underground kind of bands. Yeah. You know? So do you, do you have, do you feel like you have a respect for a lot of those like more melodic metal bands out there? Well, I mean, I, I have a respect for everybody because everybody sure. works fairly hard, you know, doing things like that. You know, I mean, like I said, some of it I don't like, but I understand what it is and I respect the work they did and everything they had to do to get there, you yeah. know. So and, and some people have better luck than others. So sure. It's it's all in the, the cards, I guess. Yeah. But you've never incorporated any of that like sort of symphonic black metal. No, or no, stuff I, we, into your sound. we never because we were more influenced by the more traditional black metal idea like Celtic mm-hmm. Frost, Venom, Bathory, yeah. you know, things like that. And that's what the things that we were kind of doing within our styles. I mean, if you look back at early Go Horse stuff, you can definitely hear the Celtic Frost and Venom like, sure, yeah. highly. And then I think as we went along, we've kind of grown into our own cells and we're starting to create our own kind of sound, but you can still pick out minuscule elements of all those old influences as well. I mean, we were into like Emperor and Dark Throne and all that stuff, but I think more, the more traditional stuff made more of an influence on it. And then, you know, more of the traditional like thrash metal and death metal stuff and that kind of intertwined into it more as well. Yeah. And a lot of those earlier death and black metal records were a lot 
more influenced by kind of the punk genre and yeah yeah they are very much i mean dude i think a lot of the the dark throne stuff you know at from certain periods are like really really nasty punk stuff yeah yeah really nasty punk yeah yeah and and they actually i mean fender is for sure if you like listen to things he says he's kind of he kind of reminds me like he's a metal kid but he reminds me of like a little punk kid too like fuck this i'm not doing this you don't do this i'm not you know he's like against like all the things that everyone else might be for. Right, yeah. I guess punk and metal sort of share that ethos a little bit. Yeah. You know? Well, I think there's there's like a cro- there's always crossroads with it. Like the whole idea of like crossover music general in the past, like mm-hmm. the DRI and things like that, you know, where they kind of crossed over the metal and the, the hardcore scene or the punk scene and they did this like offspring of the style and then it influenced, their, it had different kids at the show. Yeah. You know, you had metal kids, you had punk kids, you had skinheads, of course, which were a pain in the ass. But. Right. Yeah. So now when I think of New Orleans and New Orleans, Louisiana, I th- obviously the first thing that comes to mind is jazz music and, you know, even what Zydeco or something yeah, like jazz, that. Jazz, blues, Zydeco, all kinds of stuff. How did you get into metal being from an area that's dominated by like other music styles? I just, I mean, I saw from when I was younger, you know, you kind of stumble on it, whether it's from friends or older siblings, you, you hear them listening to stuff, you know, like I had some sisters that listened to some heavy metal stuff like early Def Leppard, Molly Crew, mm-hmm. And then, like, I had friends I met, like, I used to skateboard and got into things like Dead Kennedys and other things like that. And then there was a, a radio station. that It was a college radio station on Friday and Saturday nights from 12 a.m. to 2 a.m. There was one on Friday, I think it was, like, the punk hardcore night, and then on the Saturday was the metal night. Yeah. And me and some friends would get together that night and we'd listen to it and then we'd jot down what we heard and everything. And then we'd go to the store and we'd each buy one of everything or something like that. And then you could trade them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then just like swap and share with each other, you know, save lunch money all week from school, don't eat lunch, and then take that money and go buy a new record for that weekend or something. (laughs) See, now the the kids that are listening to this now are like, man, we can just play everything on Spotify. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, it is very convenient. You know what, though? Even even saying that, there's still so many bands out there. You'll you'll never get to hear everything. Oh, yeah. Of course not. Never. Well, it's and now just, it's it's almost easier to get out there, you know, so there is even more stuff, I feel like, than... Yeah, well, know. I like... You know what I really like is, like, Bandcamp. To me, mm-hmm. Bandcamp is, like, the... In a way, the new version... Like, when I was a kid, it was tape trading, and that's how you had you heard a lot of different bands that were really kind of obscure. Yeah. Because you'd trade with, you know, people across seas and stuff like that, and you'd get these bands, and, you know, it kind of opened you up. And, they, and every time you did it, too, everybody had all these little flyers, and they'd put that in the mail... And yeah. it'd be all these other little bands and their demos, and you can order the demo for five bucks or four dollars, sure, or sure. send a self-addressed envelope, and they'll send it to you or some shit like that. So, yeah. and that's how a lot of those early labels kind of got going was just you know sending in. Stuff yeah, in yeah, the mail. we're just doing that. Yeah. But I think you know in today's modern time, Bandcamp is like that because you have a lot of obscure things on there, and you really have to dig and look for them. Mm-hmm. It's not like boom, it's on the front page or anything like that. You yeah. have to go in or you have to read articles online. And they'll yeah. be like, oh, well, we stumbled across this band and this band. And then you go and you find different things. Sure, yeah. yeah. And I think that's something that Bandcamp's really working on, too. Because, like you said, you do kind of have to dig through to find stuff. But I think now, like, they have a feature called Bandcamp Daily and some blogs where they're, like, really highlighting, like, a lot of the underground stuff that is cool. And, you know, for me, when I'm looking for new bands like that, that's a great way to do yeah, it. Yeah, actually, there is know. one, too. I, it's like a, it's an offshoot. It's, I guess some people, and they, they do a metal version 
band. It's still associated with Bandcamp, mm-hmm. but they go through and talk about the newest things that have been added and everything. Oh, so you sweet. don't have to kind of really dig on the Bandcamp site. Yeah. You can go to this and you can be like, oh, okay, they have all of these things coming out. And usually on those things too, when you go to them, it says you might be interested in these. Right, so right. then yeah. it's just like, Total trails and yeah. past well, all that's other the internet, stuff. You know, yeah, you, know? you just get on these wormholes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and you just keep going. And next yeah. thing you know, you're like, shit, I've been sitting here three hours just checking out all yeah, these different yeah. things. Well, I mean, that's how I found a lot of new bands back when I was a kid. But it was more like, you know, like you said, like I would order a lot from Century Media, and they would always include the uh, big Century Media catalogs yeah, that yeah. had all the records that you could buy. And you know, I'd put that shit on my Christmas list. Like parents, you know, yeah, buy yeah. these new children Bodum records or whatever. You know, <laughs> how do your parents feel about that? Uh, you know, my my parents were always very supportive of my interest in That's metal. Good. That's you know, good. I was, yeah, my yeah. dad took me to a couple of metal shows when I was younger, and they're like, you know, like I went to Catholic school and everything. My parents are very like Christian yeah. and stuff, but you know, they understood that it was just like, you know, it's about the music. It doesn't have yeah. to. It's not like my parents were the same way. Yeah. You know, my dad didn't. He used to like. I lived in the. I grew up in the suburbs, but I went to the city to a lot of shows and stuff like that. And a lot of my friends weren't able to go. Their parents wouldn't let them go. But he would drop me off at shows in the city and be like, "Call me from this payphone when you're done, and mm-hmm. I'll, when the show's over, and I'll come get you." Yeah. And there was a couple of times, even like on school nights, you know, where you definitely somebody would, parents would be like, "Hell no, you're not going. You got school." In the yeah. He'd yeah. Be like, all right, and then just. Call me when it's done. I'll come get you. But you're definitely getting up and going to school. And that is, yeah, hell yeah. That yeah. Was, well, that was always the deal I made with so, my dad. I mean, he kind of yeah. he thought it was kind of <laughs> funny when he heard some of it. You know, before he would be like laughing and be like, "Listen to those vocals on that." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but he he was never like, "What's this shit? What's this shit? Get this wow. shit out of my house." So he was, I guess, in a way supportive. You know, or maybe understanding, or maybe he just didn't give a shit. He was like, "This is what you like, whatever." You know. That, yeah, that's awesome. That's cool, and that your parents were that that supportive. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, I remember my dad was actually we. I used to play in like grade school. My the first band I started was called Car Full of Midgets. We were like, <laughs> uh, you know, we played like Van Halen and Led Zeppelin covers and stuff. And my dad called all over town to find a venue that would like let us play you know That's like awesome. let us play yeah, on stage yeah, yeah. and there was actually a place that was like a legendary metal venue called the brass mug um that's still there but it's in a new location now um but they had just an open mic night you know the guy told my dad to bring us out and you know they'd let us play you know 10 15 minutes whatever but it was a school night it was like a tuesday night so he made a deal with all the parents that my dad was like all right well i'll pick everybody up and i'll drop everybody off and you know i'll make sure they all go to school you know everybody yeah. will promise to go to school the next day that's and awesome we, and we played our first show yeah. you know <laughs> so um it's cool to have parents that are that are hip like that yeah you know? i mean i think so. it kind of the street with that goes different ways too i mean i think there's a lot of kids that came out of families that were like highly religious and they were like, you can't, I mean, cause I've talked to people and they're like, yeah, my parents, I would get a record, they'd find it and they'd throw it away yeah. and stuff like that. And I think that kind of thing too creates an element too. Like it's the rebellious thing. And yeah, you well, know, a lot of music, a lot of great music has been made because of that fact. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And so I think that element is, is good as well. I mean, that's just some parents are strict like that and some of them think like that. But I think yeah. that little eye. And the funniest thing is if they didn't do that, then the rebellion wouldn't be there. That's you know true. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like you're you're assisting it. Yeah. So you don't yeah. even realize. It's just like the media does, too, with like some of these bands, you know, yeah. that get popular out of nowhere because they're like, oh, this band's singing about the devil or they're doing this. So they're doing that. And they're just like, well, you're just basically giving them like free reigns of media. Right. Yeah. Here. Yeah. You're giving them tons of free press. Yeah. 
you know. When, when parents say no, kids say, well, if I'm going to get in trouble for doing something minorly bad, I'm going to do really fucking bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Find my next album, asshole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, who knows? Find my next album with the with, lined with some marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bad. Oh, man, that's wild. Sorry. Well, we're talking about the jazz and blues and everything, yeah, you know, but yeah. I think that's one of those subconscious things, I think. You know, yeah. you just, it's there. And like if you hung out with the, in a the French Quarter, there's tons of places that are just open and it's going on. And yeah. I think it's one of those subconscious things where it's just kind of you're taking it in. Even if you're not even in the place watching it, you're walking up and down the street with friends, drinking beers, sure, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's one of those things that subconsciously it's sinking in and it's some sort of influence. Is, is there like the a core like metal hub in New Orleans? You know, like is there a venue or a spot that... Well, we've has- always had different places. Like right now, we actually have some really cool play. We have Siberia. We have One-Eyed Jacks. House of Blues does shows every now and then for metal. Mm-hmm. Um, but Siberia and One-Eyed Jacks are usually a lot. Like most of the shows go on through there. Like yeah. Cannibal's Corpse has been through there. Or, yeah. You know, uh, recently Black Dahlia Murder has been through there. Napalm Death, Melvin's, you know, all... It's just the list goes on and yeah, on. Yeah, I, I think I actually saw you're doing the, um, uh, God, who are the other bands on the bill for the Metal Blade 35th anniversary tour? Yeah, yeah, that's that. Yeah. It's uh, Whitechapel, Cal Decapitation, Us, Allegiant, and uh, I think they're going to do I had one more band at the beginning of it. That's awesome. That's this spring, 2017. Yeah, that's the tour. Metal Blade 35th anniversary tour. Yeah, that's right on. Like, yeah. I can't believe it's years. It's crazy because 10 years ago we did the 25th anniversary tour. That was with Cannibal Corpse, Black Dahlia Murder, Red Cord. Us and the absence. All oh, right, that was from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's Amphibian. Man, shout yeah. out to the absence. Yeah, they should come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, they should. You yeah, have to round them all up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so ten years later, you know, during the thirty fifth, and that ends in New Orleans, right? Yeah, I think, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, because I'd be like, bye, going home to my bed. <laughs> yeah, that would be a nice way to close out the tour. <laughs> yeah. But man, 35 years of Metal Blade. And how long have you been with Metal Blade? It's pretty much since, I think it was the Haunted Curse. Was that the first Metal Blade yeah, record? Yeah, so that's probably definitely, I'd say over 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. over. That must have been, what, 2006? Yeah. 2005, 2006? Yeah, yeah, somewhere yeah, up yeah. in there. So, yeah, about 10 years you've been on Metal Blade. You, wow. I can't believe that label's, you know, grown the way it has. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, they've been pretty solid. I mean... I think, you know, in metal, it has its ups and downs. You sure. know, it's, it's, it's at a point, it's a little more popular, and then it kind of dips down, goes back into the underground, you know, and does its thing. And I think they've kind of survived all those dips, you know. And I think they'll continue to survive the dips. They just, they have that knack to kind of change what they need to do internally to make things keep going. Yeah. So, and they, I mean, if you look back at everything, they've put out so many, like, necessary releases within metal that are highly yeah, yeah. In- influential. Well, I mean, you, you know. mentioned like Cannibal Corpse, just yeah. like them right there is Cannibal like one Corpse, of the- King Diamond, yeah. Merciful Fate, Slayer. You know, it's just like they've yeah. they've got ones that are like major things for everyone. Yeah, for sure, for all I- ages. Yeah, yeah, forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely some all ages metal right there for sure. Uh, well, you said you know metal tastes tastes evolve. You know, yeah, no, change, like so I maybe, said, that's what maybe, makes it unique. It's yeah. it's individual. It's an individualistic thing, and that's what metal is is individualistic. Yeah. Well, that, and that's cool, and that's why I think more people and more parents should be cool with their kids listening to metal like that. Because, you know, I got into metal, and yeah, th- the stuff looked really extreme and aggressive from the outside, but it's like I've met some of the nicest, coolest, most open people, you know, most inclusive yeah. people I've ever met through metal. 
Yeah, know? definitely. So I that's, agree. That's definitely the spirit of it. What's next for Goat Horror? Uh, another album on the works? Yeah, yeah. Well, we actually just finished recording. Okay. And uh, we recorded at Earth Analog Studios. It's in Illinois, like central Illinois, near Champaign, Illinois. Yeah. And um, so we did that, and it's in the mixing process. And it's supposed to come out in either mid-May or mid-June. And I can't really reveal anything else. Oh, I'm not allowed to say secret. titles. I'm not okay. allowed to say... That's all right. <laughs> I could be rebellious right now, though, but then... Yeah. I don't, feel, I don't want to hear all the complaining after I got rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No, 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 no complaining. No, but it's... I mean, everything will probably... Like, all the information about it will probably start coming up in, like, early January. Awesome. You know, you know how the, the music industry kind of, at this point of the year, it starts to kind of shut down and slow up drastically. Yeah. Yeah. And then right at the beginning of Jan January, everything starts picking up again. Sure, sure. And then... Yeah, this is like all the... It's basically because all the, like, publicists and everybody go on break, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Everybody goes home for the holidays. Yeah, it's kind of like college in a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it is because, you know, the, the major sort of music times is like spring and fall or yeah, all yeah. the big releases. And then in the summer, everybody goes wild and then goes to festivals. And, yeah, yeah it is kind of like college. I'm pretty excited about it, though, the yeah. new record. I'm really... Yeah, it's got a lot of really cool stuff. And there's, a, there's some things in it to me that it's branching off more and more, like, of what the element of Gohor is, you know, like our own kind of entity in a sense. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying we're doing like weird stuff and I'm singing like, you know, yeah, it's just more Gohor than ever. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's definitely, you know, most people think you're getting, Oh, you know, this, this is like, it's going to be your seventh record. So you're going to start taming down. It's just like, no, no, you're just going to ramp it up. Yeah. There's a lot, there's some stuff on there is definitely not taming down. Yeah. So you guys think the you're it's like a fine wine. You're just getting more metal with it. Yeah, more and more brutal as we go along. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's I think great. I think we're fighting the age thing. You know, yeah. we're like no way, we're not letting us take us down. <laughs> Brutality will arise. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's definitely going to be a party tonight. I mean, I know oh it's yeah, an early definitely. Show, but it's there's an already early people. Show? Yeah, dude, party all night after that. Yeah. So we're by 1030. <laughs> <laughs> Is this operation shut down? <laughs> I don't know. Well, actually, it doesn't shut down when you, you do this stuff. Yeah. I mean, the place is closed, but it's just like, all right, well, can we move the van and trailer and <laughs> hang out with this ice chest and do these things <laughs> without it's, getting harassed? That's yeah. That's kind of life on the road. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you just keep moving it. Yeah. And you guys have been on the road for, you know, like you said, over 10 years. I so. think like every like so like this year. We were on the road a little less because we're working on because we don't we don't get shit done as far as writing if we're on tour a lot. Yeah, it's we just hard don't. Away. We yeah. just don't. It's hard to like for us. It's hard to get that focus in. Like you go home for two weeks and be like oh, break away and be like, all right, let's put some things together. Yeah, you know. I mean, we jot down ideas and things like that and throw around the stuff, but we don't get into like the deep end of like creating a, a song. So until we can be home and just be away from it and be like, we're not doing any shows. We're just gonna focus on this and get it all worked out yeah but by now i feel like you do have a pretty good rhythm with being on the road and coming back or no yeah we have a good rhythm and everything with stuff it's just that i think you know like when we're home writing i mean sometimes you you know it's inevitable you hit a wall sometimes and you need to step away from it you yeah. know you're because you're going over it so much and you got all these different ideas going on and sometimes you just it's just, I just think you overthink things sometimes. Sometimes you need to step away and be like, look, we need to just not be in the room for like three days and yeah. you come back fresh. 
and then do it. But I think the, the one thing that's cool that is beneficial is like Zach, our drummer, lives in Arizona. Okay. And, you know, me and Sammy live in the New Orleans area. And uh, our bass player lives out of state too. And, you know, they luckily with all this modern technology, they both have like little programs and like Samuel have riffs, you know, puts together a song and use like a little drum program mm -hmm. and he'll send it to Zach and Zach will open it up and he's got his kid at home he'll use and he'll hook it all up and then he'll put drum beats over it. That way when he does come in town for like two weeks to a month, it's like he has the idea of what's going on. Yeah, and so you get sense. in the room and then you're like, all right, now we know how this goes and it's going like this. So I like how... I mean, every musician has their way of practicing visually. Yeah, yeah. But even when you practice, it's metal as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even play an instrument, but I'm like always like. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you, what is your favorite part of being in a band? Is it is it the recording and making the new songs or is it being on the road and performing? I think it's changed throughout the years. You know, I think when I was younger, I liked to be on the road so much. And then recording was kind of a weird thing because when you go into studio, it's it's so different. Because everything's like so magnified, like it's a, it's a big magnifying glass. Yeah, it's like when you're in the room doing it, and then you get in the studio, you're like, oh wow, I didn't even hear how that really sounded until now. You know, it's like it's a little different. It's it kind of I can see it better or hear it better. Yeah, in a different light. So, it's it it changes. But I think I've gotten used to that, and I think getting used to it and working with individuals like Eric Rutan in the past and everything, and having someone with a little more knowledge, but also you having a different kind of knowledge because, you know, he comes from the morbid angel, you know, ripping corpse school of fucking death metal. And then we come from the more relaxed Celtic frost. You can fuck this rip up, riff up if you want <laughs> yeah. kind of metal. Yeah, yeah. And so we, we kind of blend our styles, you know, and our thoughts with that. And, you know, and, and so, and he was really open when we we're in the studio to like trying things like, whatever like if sammy you know oh i like this guitar head in this cabinet but let's see what this one sounds like or i was like well for, for vocal mic what do you want to, you want to try like six different mics and see which one picks up better because every person's different in the way they come through a mic or the way the guitar sound comes through a mic yeah it's right. definitely different than a live setting mm -hmm. you know the way his guitar sounds live doesn't necessarily mean it's going to sound like that coming out on a record you know or it's harder to get to sound like that on a record just because it's different mics you use in a live setting than in a studio sometimes, and it's just the way it comes across. So. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, so, okay, so over time, you you know, things like that kind of change. So I think now, too, I've kind of, like, enjoyed the studio a little more because I've gotten a little older and I kind of understand things a little more with it. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll ask questions, you know, when I'm in there about certain things, even though some of it I still don't comprehend, but I'm still kind of learning as I go along. But... I think that's getting, and then the road, I still like the road, but I'm kind of like, well, you know, my body sleeping on a bench seat isn't the greatest thing in the world anymore. Sure. <laughs> yeah, 10 years of that, forget that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that bad, you know, I can deal with it. It's just funny, because it's just like, I remember being a kid and being like, whatever, I was a fuck it, I'm just sleeping in these vans every night. Yeah. So, And I mean, we'd still do, we sleep at truck stops in the van pretty much, like, if we're out for two months, we might get a hotel once or twice to like wow. clean up and kind of really get rest. Yeah. But most of the time we're just in the van and we drive to a truck stop or a rest area and then wake up and continue on to the next destination. Man, you know, it's a rough life. 
it's punk, you know? It's, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know what? It's like the biggest influence for touring was uh, Henry Rollins' book, Get in the Van. Yeah, yeah. You know? Great book. That book is just phenomenal. Like, I mean, imagine that they were touring in a, a little VW van, yeah. you know? And like, this was way before cell phones. Oh, and yeah. GPS All that. And, well, I mean, I, yeah. I had toured before cell phones cell phones too i shouldn't say that i'm showing my age but i, I try you know i had like an actual map you know atlas and you had pay phones and you'd pull off and you'd call a promoter he wasn't there yet you drive a little more you'd call a promoter he wasn't he'd there give you directions you write down the directions or you try to figure it out on the fucking atlas or something you know Jeez. Yeah. so well now at least now touring's a little oh, now easier. it's just like so easy i'm just like yeah this is cool this is cool I know where this is. <laughs> well, I mean, I've probably been to so many places now. I'm just like, I don't even need any of this stuff. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, take left, left, right. There we are. Park right there. Brown back. Cool. Yeah. Done. You've been all over the world, right? I mean, you guys have toured Europe For the most, and yeah, Australia. Yeah, we did Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Japan. Um, Yeah. Wow. Did you ever think growing up in, in Louisiana that you'd end up touring the entire world? No. I mean, I did. You know, I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to do shows, but I never thought, you know. Some of the stuff I've done, I've never thought I'd ever do, you know. I never conceived it, so I think every all of the, all that stuff's like a bonus. Yeah, you know. That's I mean that's awesome. Yeah, I mean you get to make music and and tour and people love it. You know? that, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, of that's course. really cool. So you want to leave us with the the craziest tour story over the last ten years? The craziest tour story. I gotta or, be. I gotta watch it here. That you're willing to die. Yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You can't like let too much. Okay, yeah, but yeah. no, I have this one we did. Oh, I can't remember exactly when the when it was because it was back a ways, and um, it was when Pat Bruders was still in the band that plays with Down currently. He kind of mm. he played with Gohor and then he moved to Crowbar and now he plays with Down. Another awesome New Orleans yes. band. And then um, it so we played the show. I think it was with Super Joint Ritual, too. And it was in Tennessee, maybe Knoxville, Tennessee. And that night after the show, we drove north into Kentucky, I'm pretty sure. And we pulled off at a rest area. We had an old, we had like an 85 GMC or Chevy van then. And um, in that van, we actually took the bench seats out and we built this little loft in the back and it had like a little mattress on it. And it was a mattress on the floor and we all were just like, it was like just like just mattress den in the back of the van. So yeah, it was just mattress and we'd all just sleep on the mattresses. I mean, that's one way to do so it. So we pulled off at the rest area to sleep and then we get woken up by like like an impact. Well, we we get up and this guy ran into the front of us. Oh shit. Okay. And we get out the van and he is fucking wasted. Like so wasted out of his mind he's trying to pry his truck from the front of our van because it, when he hit it it kind of stuck together at the bumper because oh. he was trying to back up and it was shaking the van and so we're like we're telling him something we, and, and he's like like what are you doing and he's like shh he's just like dude you just, <laughs> <laughs> just ran into the front of the van and so finally he throws the crowbar van and he jumps into his truck and he guns it and he goes in reverse and breaks off of it and he takes off and he runs into the side of an 18-wheeler oh that's part but what, what you finally realize is he's coming down the, the the rest area the wrong way he was coming down the interstate the wrong way drunk and came into the rest area and basically ran to the front of us because okay so when you go to the rest areas you see they got the slots that are angled for like the trucks and yeah, yeah. campers and stuff like that 
And then they had the little area for regular passenger cars. Well, he came into that area, ran into the front of us, broke free from that, then took off and hit the side of an 18-wheeler. And then you see the guy in the 18-wheeler looking out the little curtain because they have their little curtains yeah. up. And then finally he gets out. We, we run to a payphone. We call the cops. The cops eventually show up. This guy takes off down the opposite way still, comes out of the rest area going oh. down the interstate. And the cops arrive. And what do they do? How much y'all been drinking? And we're like, we are the ones sitting here part. Yeah, you no, were in they're the doing van. And this dude ran into it, and then he ran into this car. And now he's driving down the interstate the opposite direction, and you're asking us how much we had to drink. Wow. <laughs> and I was just like, this is ridiculous. Ridiculous, <coughs> man. Yeah, but you didn't answer his question. How much had you had to drink? I didn't have anything to drink, <laughs> and that's what helped out. Who's your favorite band? Is it Goat Whore? No. <laughs> Who's your favorite band? It's okay. Goat Whore is not really my favorite band either. So. <laughs> it, 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 well, 